I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. We are doing our second edition of On Air Critiques, in which Super brave writers send us their works in progress and allow us to critique them live on air. Well, not really live, recorded <laughs> on air, but we haven't discussed it ahead of time um, for your learning and enjoyment. Today's first piece is R.I.O.T. School by Amanda Sharp. I think that's right because there's dots between the letters, right? Is that yes. how you do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, premise... A uh, teenage girl is getting sent to spy school, right? That's that's what I'm getting. Essentially. Um, I, so I don't think we had a blurb kind of thing on this. It was a just jump right in. Yes. So I think with this one, it might have helped me a little bit because it was a little bit into it before I understood that we were reading something that wasn't going to be maybe a straight fiction kind of story. Um, I mean, yes. I, got it, I guess the third or fourth paragraph when they're, they were talking about, I'm just going to call it riot because that's obviously what it's meant to be called. Right. Um, it, it seemed more like a coming of age story to start. It did. It did. And I, I feel like, you know, I was in journalism and, uh, in journalism school, we talk about burying the lead, mm-hmm. right? And when you bury the lead, you put, you know, the big exciting thing too deep into the story. And I feel like that's a little bit of what's happening here because I feel like 16-year-old going to spy school is the lead, right? That's that's the big thing. Oh, and I God. and I'm the this end of the second paragraph before I figure out. And even that, all I have is the name because Riot apparently stands for Rookie Intelligence Operative Training School. So like I can jump to a wild conclusion here, but I'm still not I don't have any details. Right. It wasn't until maybe Oh my god, like three or four pages in, I think, that we learned that what it stood for. Yes. So I think my overall with this is I'm getting too much of the of the family and the setting. Mm-hmm. Um and yet the whole time you're telling me I'm leaving all these people. So basically I, as the reader, am going, so why are you telling me all this information about them if it's never going to be relevant again? Right. Like, are the, are the best friends important? Are they going to come break into spy school? Um, you know, is the, the gorgeous jock going to come, come see her? I was a little confused by that as well. But again, sometimes it's hard to tell because we just have, you know, a chapter. We right. don't have anything to base it on. But for me personally, I, I think it would be best to to open the chapter with something like um, she opened the envelope, you know, like she couldn't believe it when she saw she was chosen for a riot school. And then you could immediately jump into like what it was and the sadness of having to leave and all that stuff and not lose any of that sadness of, you know, having to leave the family, but let the person, you know, get invested right away. Yeah, I actually thought, um, and this is very much a stylistic thing, and the the author can choose to do something completely different, and it still can be right. But my initial reaction was, instead of starting with her packing and everything, let's go right to family dinner. 
And so we can learn all of this stuff in conversation rather than having it told to us. Because I felt like there was a lot of telling. There was a lot of, I'm looking at family photos and I'm thinking about things. Mm -hmm. And like, there was a lot of nostalgia for me having no idea who this person is yet. All right. It almost feels like a lot of trying to build the world. Yes. Like she's trying to build it up instead of telling the story. So a lot of this would be great as just to know for the author to know. Yes. And to build it within the story. But I'm not sure the reader needs to know a lot of this yet. And that, if you if you recall our first critique that we did, um, our, our last episode where we did a critique, I, I think this is a common problem among, I don't want to say problem, a common pitfall among writers is that, you know, you start with this first chapter and you're trying to sort of stuff everything in and tell me everything and really just kind of thinking carefully about what do I need to know at this moment? Mm-hmm to be in this story. And um, if you kind of sift out some of that stuff that I don't need to know yet, I may need to know it later, but right this second isn't the time to tell me, you know, what color shirt her sister's wearing in the family photo and in the hall. Right. And again, this is a first draft. So um, I know on my first draft, sometimes I just like info dump. I'm like, here's all the stuff in my head. And then I go back and I'm like, okay, now I've got to sift through this. What do I want to And what was just sort of backstory for me to know. Um, But I think this could be something really interesting. I mean, the riot school could be, you know, a fascinating place to go. I'm I'm interested to hear, like, how that training works. I did like the little notations she put in um, where she noticed things that others didn't. Yes, I definitely was getting the sense that even though the the character didn't understand why she'd been picked for spy school, um, she was a good choice for spy school. Like, she was definitely, there were a couple of places where she was a person who I feel like had the the natural inclinations that would make her a good intelligence operative. Right, like those last two pages, it, it sort of started to come together that she was definitely, like, intuitive in this entire process and I started to get a better feel for who she was. Yes. I, I wasn't quite feeling teenager, though. No, I I was definitely for a teenager. Yeah, a lot of the thoughts, like a lot of the stuff about um, feeling wistful about days past and most of her peers wouldn't have felt this way. And I'm not mature enough to be doing this. Like, that's all very adult thinking. And frankly, I didn't think like that until I was in my 30s. <laughs> so like, you know, the last couple of years did I start thinking like that. But as a teenager, if you were like, hey, spy school, I would have been like, hells yeah, let's go. Also, I'm going to miss my friends. Also, let's go to spy school. Also, I'm really sad because like, but I love these people, but I get to go to spy school. Like, I, I feel know. like the excitement of spy school or even the fear of like what am I getting into is getting just sort of drowned out by this very adult um introspection that I I'm just not buying for a 16 year old I mean it's possible that that could be one of the traits that made her for spy school I I don't get enough feel for the story yet that I can say that one way or the other um but she did say that no one really knows what happens at this school so you know, maybe there's no excitement for that yet, but I think still as a, you know, as a teenager, I'd be like, ooh, I'm going somewhere. No one else knows what's going on. This will be awesome. Yeah. And maybe there's rumors that it's horrible. You know, I, I'm not sure. 
Right. I, I don't I don't have any sense that she knows anything really. And I feel like if I were 16 and my parents were sending me off to a school, they would know things. And maybe spy school lies to you about what's happening, or maybe they're they have some very pretty, like, oh yes, it's wonderful, and she'll get a well-rounded, lovely education. <laughs> but like there's some there's a story, because otherwise there's no way your parents are just gonna be like, okay, and they're clearly loving and and involved parents. Right. right. So it's not like they're like, yeah, okay, kid, take off, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> they, they asked questions here. And so I feel like we're just, um, melancholy is a really hard place to start a story. Mm. I think it's I hard. It, if the whole story is meant to have kind of a dark feel to it, or if it's yeah. going to turn more action y. Um, right now, it feels like it's going to be kind of a very dark, kind of introspective story we're going to spy school like can we have a little bit of enthusiasm that's what i want <laughs> you want her to be happy she's going to spy school <laughs> or scared she could be scared to go to spy school but i feel like she's just like she's very focused she hasn't left yet and she's already sad about leaving i feel like and maybe this is just my own experience talking but like when i was a teenager i would have been like yeah let's go and then like a weekend would have been like oh crap I don't know. I, I think as a teenager, I would have been sad leaving all of my friends. So I, mm-hmm. I get the sadness. I just not sure it comes across as teenage sadness. Yes. Um, Cause then you have all this, like, you know, talking about introspective and these things of her future and then she bounds down the stairs. So it's, it was a little jarring for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just either need to understand the character more if she's meant to be like that. Um, or if she was just trying to start with kind of like a, she's leaving everything behind and starting fresh feel. Yeah. And I think one of the issues that I was having is that the narrator's phrasing and vocabulary is very adult. Mm. And when you're writing a young adult or a child and your, your phrasing is adult, I, I left some notes here too, where I can, I can be much more specific, but um. Oh, the the phrase is an intimate gathering, grand affair upon mm-hmm. her departure. Like that reads like a lovely period novel. Yes. Which I'm not against in any way, but is jarring when you put it next to 16-year-olds at the bowling alley. Right. She'd be like, hey, I'm out. Peace. Yeah. So I think that the one of the things that's that's causing me kind of a cognitive dissonance in this story is you're telling me she's 16, but she's having adult thoughts. And then all the language around her actions is very adult. So I just, I feel like this is older. And you know, I mean, I have no idea what the rest of the plot is. So could she be a 30 year old going off to spy school? I don't know. Like, could we make that work? I'm not sure. (laughs) But Actually, I would read. I would read that so hard. Like that would oh, be if hilarious. Me a letter to spy school. I am in. Right. <laughs> That's like the next best thing to your Hogwarts letter, right? Like, dear Emma, please come to spy school. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> so I really think like there's there's a setup here that I'm liking. I like spy school. I'm all for spy school. I like um, 
you know, the saying goodbye to the friends and like the moving on to something new. I think a lot of people can relate to that in some way or another. I'm just feeling like the tone isn't fitting the character mm-hmm. or vice versa, but I'm not sure which is which. I mean, I would, I would be totally happy if it like started with her, like nervous on the bus, getting ready to get off at spy school. Yeah, yeah. And we could do some of this missing the family stuff like in retrospect. Yeah, like clutching her bag, touring, taking deep breaths or something like, okay. <laughs> like I was fine till I got on the bus and now right. I realized, holy crap, I'm leaving behind everything. Right. But I'm, I would love to hear about Spy School. I want to know what they do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so Amanda, please um, keep us updated on what happens at Spy School because I need details on the curriculum. Um. And remember, these are just two people's opinions. Um, yes. Someone that's only read seven pages. So Seven pages. Yes. You know, keep it up and, you know, get Spy School going. Oh, and uh, read Lexicon by Max Berry because not quite Spy School, but there's some cool stuff that I think might help inform what you're working on. Oh, I will take note of that as well. Yeah, it's a great book. All right, cool. Okay, on to the next one. And our next book uh, is, Shelley, what is it? Oh, it's Adventure Awaits by Amelia Loken? Loken? Loken. One of those two. Yeah. Um, and Amelia apparently already has a book coming out scheduled for spring 2020 from Sword and Silk Books, which is a small press um, Celebrating women of all walks of life, it says. So that sounds interesting. You should probably check them out. Sword and Silk Books. But this piece is not related to that. This is its own book. So, yeah. What did you think, Shelley? Me, me, me. Okay. Um, I want to read this book, like, really soon. Right? So. Like, hurry up and finish because... Yes, please. Thank you. I mean, I. she had me right away. I, I love the way she set up the book, uh, the story, um, talking about why this uh, place was so special. It was because of her. And then it immediately went to kind of a quirky little fun thing with her being called Squint instead of something all formal. Um, I love the steampunky vibe and the fact that she's, I guess, mostly blind. She can see blurs, blobs kind of thing without her special oct- what, ah, what are they called? They're not no, eyeglasses. Oculars. They're oculars. oculars. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my first overall impression was I, I loved it and I was sad that I got to the end. Me too. Like I would, if I picked this up and had, you know, I was standing in the bookstore and I read just this bit that this book would be coming home with me, even without any changes. Um, I do have some thoughts on ways that it can be even stronger, but like first impression is give me this book. <laughs> oh yeah i mean if this is like how the whole book's gonna go i i am in i i already love the characters yeah i feel they've already been given so much i don't know i, I just there's so much about them that i'm like oh, i want to know more about you know him and his wife and what is she doing who runs this and yeah i just i like them all both the characters and the world both feel fully formed even mm-hmm. though I don't know everything about them. So this is um, the, what we've been talking about through a couple of our different critiques with like giving the right details at the right time. I feel like I have exactly the details I need to be fully invested, but I'm not like overwhelmed with 
so many details that I don't know what's going on. Right. Just enough that I can visualize it and yes. I can be invested and I'm like, yes, please. And I, well, love, and I love the way she's, go ahead. I love that this isn't, this is not a pre-established world. Like you don't pick this up and go, oh yeah, that's just like this other book I read. This is a fully formed world that I've never seen before. But I was I, immediately like, okay, I know where I am. Yeah, they're all talking about going off to the wild, and that could be anything. I mean, what's out there? What what stopped these people from coming back? I want to know more. Yeah, but I also love the way that she uses words, like her little uh -huh. the little phrases that she's giving her world, like you know, three day old refried beans. This whole tale is like a three day old refried beans, and then um, she uses things like flea bitten. I mean, it's just there are little quirky ways that she describes things that I think fit with the world perfectly and really sum it up for you. Yes. But at, at the risk of, of having this turn into a fan fest, which is kind of what's happening. Yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry. Let's, <laughs> let's shift a little bit to, uh, there are some things that um, at least at first kind of confused me. And I think yes. the biggest one was I love the idea of a main character who is blind or mostly blind. Right. I don't know that I've ever read anything where that was true. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading something about a man who's, who's deaf and he can hear a little bit with hearing aids, but he's, I mean, he's legally deaf. Right. And I, I've actually seen more of that, I think, than I had somebody who's blind, but it's so rare. And no, definitely. I think it's beautiful. My, con my concern question was in the first, like, page to page and a half of this manuscript, I was very confused about how blind is she? Because Same. at first it's like, she's completely blind. She's using this brailler thing to write. And then like a few lines later, I'm thinking, oh wait, no, the braille thing is just like code so that people can't read her stuff. And she's just really smart. And so she uses this as like her secret code machine. Mm -hmm. And then she's got the glasses and I'm like, okay, so maybe she's like, you know, Coke bottle glasses, like she can see, but she needs these special glasses. And then later on, it's like, she's seeing like blurs of color. So I think very quickly, like almost immediately in the story, I need an establishment of how much can you see? Cause I was spending a lot of mental energy trying to figure that out. Right. How much can she see without the oculars? And then how fine tuned that makes it for her? Because even when she first puts those on, it says the well-lit corner becomes clearer so slightly less blurry, you know, can she see every minutia of it now? I mean, how fantastical are these oculars versus her normal sight? Right. And when you do that, you have to be careful with things like she describes a, a curtain being green. So then I had like stopped in my reading to go, wait, can she just see like a mass of green? What does green look like to her? So like, as you start to use visual cues that somebody who is sighted would see, um, I think you have to be cautious so that the reader doesn't get like kind of tangled up in, well, what is she actually experiencing? I need to be fully invested in that. And later in the story, once I sort of figured it out, I was, I had no problem um, mm -hmm. by like page one and a half. It was just that initial lead up where I, I spent a lot of time and energy kind of figuring that out. Um, and that's, it's already an interesting world. I, I don't necessarily want to be spending a ton of mental energy on orienting in that way. 
Right. And it's fascinating with her being blind. I want to hear more about that. How does I'm assuming that she ends up adventuring, obviously, and goes off to the wild. So I, I want I really hear hope that. so. Yeah. I really, really do. And then they all leave and she goes back to work. <laughs> the end. <laughs> but no. I, I want to hear more about how that, you know, affects her journey and, and what happens. I I don't want the oculars to become like the magic fix all. I'm hoping she really sticks with this and, and gives us those challenges. Yes. Yes. I mean, I just, I want to see more characters that are just in this kind of the, the normal for people who aren't me, you know, like this is not my normal, but this is someone's normal and I want to know about it. And I think what's happening here is amazing. And I just, I want more. Um, okay. Okay. No, wait, bring it back. There's a, there, there's exactly. some other small things. We are okay. critiquing. We're critiquing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you, would you have anything else to critique? Um, I would say I would like a few more descriptors in there. I really enjoy the conversations and I thought they were really well paced Mm -hmm. and built a good scene for me, but, and not a lot, just like a little bit more in there to tell me what people might look like or, cause this is a whole new world. So maybe just a little bit more of what I should be seeing or um, what's out there. And and by little, I mean like, you know, the odd word or the odd phrase here, there. I don't want anything that slows down what's already here. Right. I think the the place for me where I was like, wait, I need like one line to give me something more is she's in this one-on-one conversation with a client and someone interrupts, which is like a big no-no, mm-hmm. um, to give them news that Goldwave's son has arrived. And I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. It's clearly important to the characters. It's clearly a big deal, but I don't know why. And so the the narration says that's big news, and then the the character speaks. And what I want is that's big news. One line of who is Goldwaith? Why do I care? Right? right, and then keep going. I don't I don't want you know paragraphs. I don't even want two sentences. Really, like one short like you know Goldwaith is the mayor of the town or the, you know, the most decorated adventurer or whatever he is. Cause mm-hmm. I still, at the end of the chapter, don't really know. Right. Yeah. We don't really know what's going on with him. Just that he was the only one that came back. Right. So like, I just need to know who is this person. So I know how big a deal is it. And I can be kind of with the characters in their excitement and interest in what's going on. No, and that's um that's unfortunately just about all that I had as far as things that I would like to see more of. Um, other than just more of what's here, I like the the ovo sm- ovo smugglers. That that was a, <laughs> a cool. Oh, what is that? The, the I, egg, egg smuggler the, people. The egg smugglers, and that was a big deal. And then there's something about like. Um, she she has like a secret she wants a secret pocket installed so she can hide stuff and like there's just there's all this that's just really exciting and interesting okay okay no wait there was one more thing that kind of bugged me okay couscous yeah naming a character couscous <laughs> was like it would be one thing if i thought it was a a, a joke name you know like squint mm-hmm. um but it didn't come across that way like everyone else has a has a real name and then squint has a nickname and then there's couscous and it's like 
it, naming a character after a pasta is really distracting. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you wouldn't name a character spaghetti. And so if, if no, I'm it's... doing it. <laughs> I want I want an entire fantasy story in which all characters are named after pasta, but no one comments on it. Like we're gonna do it Terry Pratchett style, where there like go. characters are named ridiculous things with no regard for what the words mean. But yeah, every time I read couscous, I was like couscous, really. I like couscous. That's tasty stuff. I like the garlic kind. Uh, but yeah, so that was. That was the one thing that was like consistently kind of distracting to me. And if you're going to do it, I need some sort of like, do they just really like couscous? <laughs> like, is that like a food that they like, they'll shank someone for some couscous? Like, what's the deal? Maybe we're mispronouncing it. Maybe it's cuckoo. Okay, then we have to spell it differently because it's spelled like the pasta. And and then I was thinking of Cusco and then I had the Emperor's New Groove song in my head. And it was like... I really, really was enjoying this story, so please don't distract me with couscous, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a short critique, but I I honestly don't have much else to add. I I feel it's a really strong start, and I uh, would like to see more. Amelia, please finish this story. <laughs> like, uh, personal appeal from me to you. Finish this story. It's beautiful. And... A reminder to everyone that Amelia has a book coming out called Unravel uh, in spring of 2022. So hunt her down on the socials. Follow her until you can figure out where to get the book. Because if it's anything like this one, you're going to want to read it. Uh, and I say that not having read it at all and knowing nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, we based all this on seven pages. Everyone. So, right, right. So if the book turns out... To go off in a crazy direction, I I bear no responsibility for that. It's not my book. I don't know anything. But yeah, I'm if just they all saying turn into cats. We don't know. We just <laughs> why no why cats no no no. <laughs> They're all pasta people. <laughs> um. On that note, uh, we thank everyone who has been brave enough to send us their stories, especially Amelia Loken and Amanda Sharp, who were featured in this episode. If you have, what what was the cutoff? 3,000 words we decided? About. I mean, it, it's not, you know, in stone, but. You know, Ish. More than that, it's a little bit rough to review. Yeah. So if you have 3,000 words or less-ish um, that you would like to share with us and allow us. Unpublished, please. Do, we've had a lot of people send us like. Hey, my book's published. Why don't you critique part of it? We're not doing that. We, we do do book reviews and we happily do book reviews, but um, that's not this. This is critiques for works in progress. So if you have a work in progress that you need help with, that you want some feedback on, so far we've only done first chapters, but we're willing to do any section that you have thoughts or need feedback. Um, send them to us at indiebookpodcast at gmail.com or go to imperativepressbooks.com uh, and click on the podcast tab and there's a form that you can fill out. We can't wait to read what yes, else there please. is because this has been amazing. Please tell all your friends to send us their stuff. Yeah, what we want is to be so inundated with stuff that we have to do like some kind of crazy marathon thing and then maybe <laughs> we'll do like a fundraiser where we do marathon <laughs> critiques or like pull in other people that we know. I don't know. Okay, pull it back. I know. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of my... I haven't talked to Shelly about any of this. I'm just <laughs> shooting off ideas. Okay. On that note... <laughs> 
<laughs> this is the end of our podcast. Good night.